It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Walker Report podcast in association with Walks Brewery. Today, we're joined by a very special guest who formed part of a record-breaking Sunderland defence in 1998 to 1999 and formed a formidable partnership with the likes of Andy Melville and Steve Bold. Welcome to the show, Paul Butler. How are you doing, Paul? You well? Yeah, good. Apart from the four-hour drive up, but good. <laughs> yeah, it was a... I won't go there 19 again, but no. Stuck in traffic? It's traffic here 19. I understand now why they call them the smog monsters down that side, don't they? So <laughs> it's not a nice drive at A19. No, it's really not. <laughs> Um, I want to start off on what you're doing at the moment. Normally we start in a yeah. different order, but um, we were having a bit of a chat off air and I believe you're doing some grassroots stuff. At yeah, the I'm, I'm busy at the moment. I run my own college. I've got me over, I've done that four years now, 16 to 18. So from, from that, they're not, they're not going to be footballers in the sense of professional footballers, but yeah. what they do, they do A-levels, B-techs, and then they go to America at the age of 18. So I've been part of that four years. I've 16 to 18 lads I've had out into America. So pathway of doing that. I do that Monday, Tuesday, and a Wednesday, which I enjoy the coaching and doing that involved. And then uh, I do the recruitment for Liverpool. I've been Man City five years prior to that, doing 14s to 18s. Left them two years ago because one thing and another in the sense of, uh, it's a long story, because probably take another podcast to do it. But <laughs> a long story, being a City fan, it, it was hard to leave, but I had to leave to progress yeah. me. And then I moved across to Liverpool and loving it two years now and uh, working with... 18s, 21s, 23-year-olds that were identifying and going all around the world looking at players. And on top of that, yeah, I'm ambassador of a grassroots club, so I've always been involved in grassroots since my kids have gone through it and uh, see how vital it is to raise money for them because the, as much as the FA tell you the money's out there, the money's not out there. No. Um, and they've got, they'll give you a grant every two or three years, but if you want to raise six, eights and tens girls' teams, you've got to put your hand in your pocket and raise it yourself. And that's what we've been doing, yeah. Is there a way that people can donate? There is a way. Um, but it, we, we, what we try to do on the charity on the charity side, we use a WhatsApp group. Yeah. It, we find it a lot easier than yep. actually going out to the charity. <laughs> and it's, it's mental. But we try and use a WhatsApp group. So anybody that wants to contact, contact me through my Facebook, I'll give them the lead through my own Facebook. So if you yep. send me, I've got hundreds now of Sunderland fans. I've constantly, over the past five years, I've gone on Facebook and my sons, have, they were 23 and 21, they're like, Dad, you've, you should go on Facebook. I said, I don't want to go on Facebook. And anyway, four or five years ago, I'm on Facebook now. So anybody wants to send me a friend's request, and I'll send them the details that way. Perfect. Good, mate. Um, we'll start with a nice, easy one. Although I say this is an easy one, and everyone I've asked has gone, that's a difficult one. But 
it was a good drinking squad, as I know from speaking <laughs> to a few people. Yeah. But who was the best? Who was the best drinker in the Play entire Play it stuff. <laughs> either we'll take either. I won't. I, I couldn't. I couldn't go into the staff, but the, we had we had a good bond where the players would go out with the staff as well. So yeah. it was brilliant. That's why we're so good. But pro everyone probably says the same with it all. Uh, Quinny was up there. Uh, Andy Melville was up there. Uh, that Mel surprised me. Melville. Yeah, Mel was up there. Uh, who else would have been in in that squad? Mel Dickie Ord would have been up there at the time. Dick Yord doesn't surprise yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I'll probably come a close third or fourth. Yeah. yeah. Apparently, Kevin Phillips was better Kev, than Kev was think. a secret assassin. He Like, yeah. he was on a pitch. Yeah. He, uh, you won't see how many he was drinking, but he'd, he'd put a few away. He, put a few away the other week. We did a, a talk in, and it surprises me how quick he can put them away yeah, for his size. For his size, yeah. He's, he, he puts them away. Um, the worst drinker is probably Mickey Gray. That doesn't surprise me in the slightest. Two pints, you fall asleep, <laughs> and then wake up three hours afterwards. That, that's typical Mickey. It's, uh, we'll go back to like 1998 when you joined. I think we we're just talking off here yeah. before you joined the same day as sort yeah. of Tommy Sorensen. Um, as a fan, I remember quite well. We narrowly <coughs> missed out on promotion at the Premier League. Reedy's looking for basically, as far as I remember, he had Craddock and Williams. And yeah, I think he wanted someone right. who was tough and compromising. Mm. And obviously, looked towards yourself, which yeah. I think are the embodiment of probably yeah. those words at the time. Yeah. Um, how did the move come about? The move come around, it was a strange one. I remember playing twice against Sunderland that season for Berra. Yeah. And I did okay against Quinn. Do you know what I mean? You look forward, you go, now, Quinn, Island legend. You, you get up for them games. And, yeah, absolutely. And at the time, we knew Kev had scored goals, but Quinny was the one you want to play well against Quinny and you want to try and... But it was a strange scenario, really, because Peter Reid used to come down quite a lot to Berra. He, he wasn't up here all the time in Sunderland. When he wasn't training up here, he had days off. Reedy had come and still train at Berry. Like the end of his Man City career, yeah. he went and trained in at Berry with Stan Tennant and Sam Ellis was his old number two with Stan Tennant's number two at the That's time. Right, so Reedy yeah. always used to keep his fitness up by coming in the odd day, Monday, Tuesday, uh, when I was at Berry and training. It'd be random, it once every month. But I didn't realise, talking to his brother Sean Reed, he was watching certain players yeah, as well as training with us at the time, which was, uh, you probably couldn't do that now, a manager of a premiership team no. training with, and then identify him. But that was through the season. So when we played against each other, nothing was said, nothing was spoken about. Come end of the season at Berry, I had one year to go, and um, Charlton had offered money for me. So I went to the play final, and on the, on the principle, I was going to sign for Charlton. So you were at the 98 I was final. at the playoff final, and, <laughs> and I was sat in the director's box as a Charlton guest, and cut well fast forward it went to the toilet half time bumped into sean reed the rest is history as i would say so you're you due to go to the premiership i was due to go to the premiership with charlton and, I, and then when the penalties finished i'd already agreed at half time on the <laughs> phone to my agent who was in london after speaking to sean reed that there was an interest from sunderland and as soon as you seen the sunderland fans it was like yeah that's for me yeah Good. And that was it. And that was the honest truth at all. And you didn't realise I'd just turned the premiership down. Mrs. What are you doing? I went, I know, but it's London. I've, I already turned two moves down to Wimbledon before that. And um, who else was involved? It was that around the time I was sniffing another London club at Fulham, I think it was, something yeah. like that. I turned moves down because I didn't fancy London in a sense. But when Sean Reid pulled us and I didn't even speak to the missus and I spoke to my agent, I went, get the deal on if we can. Well, what what scores it? I, mean, I can't remember the score at half time. It was like two two or whatever. I don't know it's what the draw. Only one nil yeah, at the time. Funnily enough, um, I said it doesn't matter what right. it's going to be. Um, 
let's get the deal done. Yeah. And it was it was done. And then literally two days after the player final, my agent flew up from London. I drove up and I signed the contract at the Stadium of Light. I think if uh, I think if I was watching that game as a neutral, I would have been put off by the gold strip. Uh, yeah, but it, <laughs> was just, it, was, it was the fan base. It was the yeah. fan base in the stadium. And because I'd been here, be burying the season, and I played against Quinn and I seen the squad and I thought, some players in that squad. And not knocking the Charlton squad at the time, but yeah. I was going to go in and play alongside uh, Mark Fish and that at the time. That's Mark what they were going to That's what they was going to partner with, and that way. So, and basically, when 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 Reed didn't even speak to me, it was Sean Reed had done most of the deal. I come up and and signed, and Reed just turned around. I said to me, he says, "Do you know why I brought you in?" And I went, "I've got an idea." I says, uh, "But you still got to go out and prove pre-season why I brought you in." Yeah. And I went, "Right, what do you want me to do?" He said, "Just do what you do at better." Just defend. I want you to defend. I said, right, no problem. We'll do that. And that's how it went. So, With uh, with Reedy, I think a lot of people ask about impressions of Reedy, but the more people I speak to from that era, the more people mention to me Bobby Saxton. Like, how yeah. much of a character was Bobby Saxton? Bobby, Bobby was everything about Sunderland. Everything that was good and everything that was positive and everything that players hold a career to, especially me, in a sense of he moved me to the next level and told me untruths and told me how it is. And he spoke to you like like a dad or a big brother. And yeah. he told you how it was. And I think he won't be able to work in today's in today's society the way it is, the way HR is and stuff like that at the yeah. clubs because you won't get away with some of the stuff Bob Bobby used to call you. But you used to man up, you have to man up, simple as that. And yeah. Bobby told you straight away, and I like that in a coach. But Bobby was everything. Bobby was everything. He was the comfort blanket for the gaffer sometimes when gaffer needed to, to go and have a break for two or three days away from the squad. Sacco took training for two yeah. or three days. But we had we had very good coaches underneath him as well. Like uh, Pop Robson was underneath there. And Ricky Sprays was underneath there. And Adrian Heath was underneath there. Andy King, gone bless his soul. Reedy had created a, a, a tremendous staff underneath him that sometimes he didn't have to be a He knew the staff would click on, but Sacco ran that group. He ran he ran that. He was, he was strong. And you could go and speak to him. You get an answer off him straight away. Yep. Whether you've wanted a day off or not, you get to tell you. But no, he was top, top man, and I still speak to him now. Thing is, with the, the squad at the time, I suppose, as you said, you came in and actually didn't know, but you obviously had yeah. to play a final. So you probably would have heard, you know, later on, Quinny coming out on TV and saying, you know, we're going to go and win that league and stuff yeah, like that on yeah. the TV. But although there was yourself and Tommy Sorensen that came in yeah. as like the, the, the fresh blood, shall yeah. we say, the rest of the squad kind of stayed... Yeah. pretty much the same yeah he didn't need much tinkering um i think what reedy looked at was uh, i think lionel perez was was leaving anyway or yeah. some, some issue with him anyway and he was leaving so we needed a keeper and to go and get tommy was was a find of whatever you talk about kev yeah, brilliant you talk about kev four five hundred grand tommy will push him close for, for million value pound, yeah like just a bit under and that and um and then Jerry Harrison come in, if you remember Jerry Harrison. I remember Jerry Harrison. Um, had, had a health issue at the time, which did, nobody knew he, yeah. about. And to be fair, they got ridiculed for it, even yeah. after players, the players, because yeah. he pulled out. And then there was that, I think that's the somebody brought Lee Clark in, was it? Clark, he was the season before. The season before. Clark, he had, Clark, he broke his leg open in the right. end of the season, yeah. if I remember right. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So, yeah, so it was, wasn't was too much, but the, the the squad didn't need to think of any. It was full of quality, and there was quality sat in the stands as well. So, Really, he just needed a bit in the spine, really, a, a keeper, and someone that's had been at this level probably a couple of years and yeah. just knew what you're going to get. 
He came from, it was a good Berry side from my memory. I mean, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, um, a club that's hopefully not gone permanently, but gone no. at the moment. But I remember the side then, it was probably the best Berry side of the past yeah. 20 years. But coming from Berry and a good Berry side with good players, good characters, and coming to Sunland, could you feel the level of character in the squad even the first few weeks that you were there? Because, I mean, looking back now, we had some real character and proper yeah, leaders in that team. Because, like you're saying, you just touched on it then. So, Dean Kiley was our keeper at Berry right. at the time. Yeah. He, he, and I think because I didn't go to Charlton, it was two years after we decided yeah. him. But we had David Johnson up front. But the but the magic one of it all, and, and kept us, there was two players that kept us all together, was Andy Gray. Remember Andy Gray that played for Crystal Palace? International oh. lad, midfield lad. He played no, up to Falkirk. I don't, funnily He played enough. it for England about four or five times. Um, big mates of Ian Bright and Wright. Played at the Palace. Played a lot of games like that. And Stretch. Gordon Armstrong coming. Gordon Armstrong, He'd yeah. He came in and he was a, a major signing for us. Uh, and told me all about Sunderland all the way through the season. So I don't know if he was working to be an agent then. But no. <laughs> but he's, when, he's an when, agent when, now. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. Yeah, he's, he's always on the phone to me. So yeah, so when, when, when I arrived, um, dressing rooms are the same whether it's a premiership or conference yeah the banter's the same it's ruthless it's you get stick the names are bigger obviously your Nicky Summerbys of this world's in there and your Kevin Bowles and your Niall Quinns and Alan Johnson's and Mickey Gray's all international players they're all in there yeah. and the cars are a lot bigger that's yeah. the difference <laughs> especially Mickey Gray <laughs> yeah. Mickey changed it every week but as banter goes no I was a strong character and when I was in Rochdale in my early career and went to Berry. I enjoyed the dressing room. Yeah. I wasn't one that feared the dressing room going every morning. I enjoyed it. And if you if you was to get like, slagged off from it, what gear you're wearing, embrace it, grow up. That's what it's part of. Who was the worst dressed? Uh, worst dressed would have probably been Quinny. <laughs> I knew you were going to stuff. <laughs> but it's an easy target, Quinny. He used to wear jackets that didn't fit him and um, Alex Ray used to ram in him every day. <laughs> but um, probably the worst dressed on top of taking Quinny out of the way was might have been probably Deech some of the tracksuits you'd oh, wear Deech was a DJ Deech, wasn't it yeah because Deech was a DJ and he'd come in with horrendous tracksuits that he was still in Finks he was in Run DMC or something and he was <laughs> caps on this way but that's in trainers so Deech you know, I was good dressed to Deech but some of the gear he wore in training questionable very questionable, questionable. Um, you started the season alongside someone who ended up having a, a really good career yeah. at Sunland and he, he was having a good career up to that point yeah um, Jody Craddock, obviously, yeah. and I think you were brought in to play alongside Jody. Right, maybe yeah. use Darren as more like a Darren Williams. That is as more of like a, a versatile player that could yeah. play right back, left back, centre off, mm. in goal if he really wanted yeah. to. Darren Williams, but second game in, Craddock got injured, and Andy Melville came in. And I know it was only the one season that you had, but it was probably probably Andy Melville's best. What is it that? suited your game and Melville's game so well because you did pair together really yeah, well you couldn't, you couldn't it, really it was it. it was a strange one really because when I arrived Mel was there I knew I knew Andy Melville was and I knew who Dickie was and obviously the gaffer reader at the time wasn't using him so but they only had one year of contract to go on they thought he'd been told they can leave so they wasn't using him. but the thing is what Reedy used to do and he was brilliant is he never shunned him he never put him out in any way do you know what I mean he still yeah. trained with us he didn't do what you call a bomb squad he didn't he, yeah. he kept him in because he knew that they were influential in the dressing room still do you know what I mean if you didn't want them two being bad apples coming in the dressing room so Mel and Dickie were different class towards me helping me settle in at the club so when Jody got second when he was injured in the second game it was Mel was up to speed in reserve games that he'd played training so Mel was a total different character to me in the sense where Mel let me go and defend 
and he'd let me attack first balls and he'd let me go and smash somebody and, and he'd yeah. sweep up behind me. And Mel was a great calming influence on that, a few years older than me. Where when I played with Jody, Jody wanted to be the young one that wanted to go and do it. So yeah, I had to adapt stuff. my game yeah. a bit to Jody, which was which I could do. But then Mel was the one that wanted to come out and play from the back. And it, and at Berry at the time, we never done that. So I was learning during the game how he was doing it. So I pick up hell of a lot from Mel. And then he just he just hit straight away. He'd come in and um, I think we got a clean sheet first game and we went on from there, basically. And Tramier, wasn't he? Yeah, scored no? yeah. Fifth? Yeah. I think. 5-0, yeah. Uh, no, I remember we 4-5-0, something like that. We beat him. 5 now. I yeah, think. Yeah, scored a diving head in. That's right, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think I was coming back from a corner to still stay up there for that one. I don't know how I was Martin up there. Smith. That's it, yeah, putting it. Put it in. Whipped it in, yeah. Smithy put it in, and I think it was, I'm sure it was the fifth. My memory. Yeah, for, it, was on, it was on Facebook the other week. I reposted it. Someone That's put it on. That's right. And yeah. then I reposted it. So I forgot all about that goal, but now there. So, yeah, so from that, yeah, we, we blended, and and it was what something that we never worked on in training, kind of thing, even though we had a lot of 11 v 11s every day. But I just knew my strengths, and Mel just let me get on with it. There was a lot of. Um partnerships in that team I mean if you look right across the team that yeah, won yeah. that league you had yourself and Andy Melville yeah. almost called him Mary there um, <laughs> you had Mickey Gray and Magic Johnson yeah. you had Summerby Chris Megan yeah. Quinn Phillips and then you had a choice of yeah. Borley Clarky yeah. or Alex Ray in the Alex middle Ray. I mean. and then you had you had young Gav McCann that was just Gav McCann, coming yeah. into it as well and Gav gave us legs in there and great player Gav and McCann. you had Gav that come in and you also had um, what's it called come from Burnley um, big big nose on him. Oh, John Mullins. John Mullins. <laughs> Mullins, yeah. I still speak to Mullins now, and he won't, if he is this, he won't be happy with that. But no, Mullins coming. So he, they give us the freshness in there. And underneath that, biting at there was Paul Furwell. He was chomping at, yeah, chomping at. He was 17, 18, but he yeah. could, in 11 v 11s, he could put himself around a bit first. So he's the new brace. Yeah. So we had, we, yeah. Had, we had competition all over the place. And as well as me and Bell in there, you still had Darren Williams that wanted to play and he was left out. Jordy was coming back from injury. Darren Holloway could play centre half, yep. stroke right back. Um, who else was in there? Martin you, Scott. Martin Scott. You you had up front Bridges and Deitch was understudy to Quinny and Kev. So we had a really, really good, strong 18, 19 players that on any given day, we knew if we had a bad game, we'd pull you out and you were in. So it's like depressing song. reading out that squad now. Yeah, no, it was, it was, like, oh, it was, it was good. It was, it was, it was a competitive squad, but a squad that got on with each other. Yeah, an all British base, which was even interesting. It was. I mean, it, I think a lot of the time, I remember David Moyes made a comment about having a British core and then played an Irishman, which was funny. <laughs> but like, there was a really strong core of players that seemed to have an idea of each other's personalities and yeah, the banter that would exist right from the manager all the way down. It was driven by Sacco. We go back to Sacco again and the gaffer reader. They, they was adamant that you needed a good dressing room, a strong dressing room yeah. of characters in there, uh, a mixture of the youth that would drive you on. But also, you needed leaders in there, and so we had many. we had enough of them. Alex Ray was was a character in there. He he, he drove most of the dressing room mad. Not drove us, but drove us yep. mad. But the most of us in there was captains at other clubs, or we'd been captains. So, but Barley was the captain. We knew that Barley what Barley done. If Barley had run through the brick wall for you, you'd follow him. Yeah, and that's the way he had us, and that's the way Sacco would want you doing. So. Yeah, we had our tiffs, we had our fights, we had our arguments. We had a lot of Sterling and uh, what's going on now with yep. Gomez. A lot of them on the training grounds and in the dressing rooms. Just get on with it. 
think I can't remember who it was I spoke to, but someone's I, I get the feeling it might have been Alex Ray mm. when he did a thing when he did the talking with Quinny at the stadium and he said, um said the thing is he said, there sometimes would be a lot of like arguing between each other yeah, and there'd yeah. be a bit of as you said, Gomez yeah, and Sterling yeah. sort of going on. But if anyone did that towards I think it was Darrell Powell he was yeah, talking about. Yeah. If anyone did that one of us, it was the entire team yeah, you were taking yeah, on. You weren't yeah. just taking on one player. That was a derby game when Darrell Powell came yeah. for him. Yeah. yeah, at half time when Reedy had his shirt off. Yeah. And then he jumped, he's jumped behind me and he went, you saw that man in the bar afterwards when his dad's come in looking for him. <laughs> and it's funny. So I've been going all day. He's got some stories out on him. But no, he'd wind people up, Al. But I, he's Glaswegian lad. He'd look after himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't fancy no, getting involved yeah. in a fight yeah, with him. Yeah. Remember him fighting with Andy Cole? <coughs> Alex would uh... fight with himself. Yeah. Put it one way. <laughs> do you know what I mean? He'd fight with himself. So no, but we had a strong dressing room and... That was what driven us on, really, the, the dressing room uh, and the pressure of the dressing room players that wasn't playing. And when the reserves used to get played at the stadium, alight, and there's 20,000 in there watching the reserves play. Yeah. You're going, they're not bad, bad away then. And then the odd game, me and Mel would get rested. Darren Williams would come in with Jodie and beat really Chelsea 5 well. 0 or something. Do you know what I mean? We didn't play that like day, we were suspended. Funny. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you and Steve that, Bold. That, that, yeah, that was the, that was the, the, the kind of, caliber of the players he had in the squad it's funny that game you talk about the Chelsea game yeah. it's like Joe, you and Steve Boldwell I think Steve Bold got a yellow card against Borough so right. he was suspended right. yeah. uh, you were suspended yeah. and then you also had I can't remember the midfield now but it was I think it was I think Alex Muller's, Ray yeah I think Muller's played in there didn't he yeah. or something like that we had, we, we had about four players that yeah Paul Thurwell yeah. Eric Eric Wah Eric Wah yeah. yeah. or Roy he, Eric Roy as, you, as we called him because he was from down south and yeah. he wasn't French <laughs> <laughs> he's never been French very but underrated was Eric it, Roy good player yeah good great player, player. He, it took him a while to understand the English game but clever player as well yeah understood hey, and nasty as well yeah he could leave his foot in yeah he could leave his foot in uh, but I enjoyed him and then we and I only spoke to him this morning Stefan Sports Schwartz yeah he's brilliant brilliant he's, he's constantly player. supporting my grassroots stuff he sends me messages he sends me stuff he's a fantastic guy he's doing a lot for Benfica and stuff like that lovely so, lovely man but they were the characters really brought in yeah um, but the the year we went up it was just it's momentum and I, I spoke to someone over there about momentum and how would, and would you stop it and how would you start it once it's coming for you, and once you're, you get that ball rolling, and Reedy always said to us, once you get this juggernaut going, Sunderland, you're not going to stop it. Yeah. And we fully believed in that. And Sacco used to send me and Mal out and, and Tommy Sorensen and basically say, your job is clean sheet, that's it. You know we're going to score goals. So keep a clean sheet. Yeah. So if someone scores, we're blaming you three. <laughs> and that was the responsibility you had put on you. So you knew that Kevin Quinney were going to score or oh, Magic yeah. could score or Nick had whipped one in from 40 yards out or something or Alex Ray had score or Bolly would get a tap in or break his nose and score that way, you know. <laughs> but we knew our job was basically is, is to defend and that's not so much Mickey Gray defending. Mickey will let Mickey go because yeah. he's making sacks. So we always used to defend as a three. So Mickey Watt had yeah. always used to go and go and go. Chris used to just back up Nicky Summerby and it was always me um, and Bali sat in front so it was the four of us that patrolled quite a lot of it but that was our job and and when we when we conceded it, it was horrible it was, yeah. might win 4-1 it was horrible in the dressing room because if you've seen the one end of the dressing room where Quinny and Kev have got two each and you're sat at the other end and you're going that's a clean sheet that would, and Tommy would be going berserk if he conceded because he wanted clean sheets every week 
broke the clean sheet record that season. Yeah, I think we got 27, yeah. 28, 27, didn't we? Yeah. It's not bad, is it? Out of 46. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> was, was, it, uh, was it good? I was, it would have been 13, 14, then it was a, a decent childhood. Yeah, I, think, that way. I think I think we only conceded two goals once in that season. Yeah. I think fair. so, something like that. I think it was 2 2 draw. I think we'd done. Watford, maybe yeah. maximum, I think, got I think past that's us. what it was. But no, it was good. But it was right from the front to the back. I know we always said, go cliche, well, Kevin, Quinny, and, but you're only as good as your strikers. Yeah, and if them two didn't perform, which they always did, you had Mickey Bridges and Deitch on did the bench you? to come on. Thing is, talking—I mean, I'm talking about like the the past, but I suppose also the, the yeah. future as well. I, I wanted to ask something in a sense. Um, people talk an awful lot about the expectations of Sunderland fans, right? Yeah. Now it hasn't changed in the past couple no, of years no. or the past ten years or whatever. But what frustrates me is that sometimes you think people think our expectations are too high. We're in League One, which annoys me. But how did a play like a team like yourself, who had huge expectations mm. to go up, yeah. not just you know go up in the first top two? We the fans thought we finished third, yeah. ninety points, won to win yeah. the league. And to say you matched those expectations, you exceeded them because we lost three games. Yeah, like why is it that team could handle the expectation and exceed it, whereas teams since and maybe teams before just seem to wilt? It's hard because it, it, the expectations to go up. And I say this after the left because I went to Wolves and yeah. they had been up for 20 odd years in the Premiership. And the expectations to go, you could feel it when you walk through the door at Wolves. When I first arrived at Sunderland, I couldn't feel no expectation. The lads yeah. were, they'd been beating a playoff final, but the, the atmosphere in the dressing room, first day of pre season, driven by Bali and and the senior players of Niall Quinn and that was, was right, we'll go again. Yeah. And me arriving, Tommy Sodderson arriving. Might have given him a lift, but we weren't guaranteed. We had to go out pre-season and earn it because Reed didn't know how well I'd cope with 40-odd thousand from going from Berry of 7,000. Yeah. Different style of football. Um, but it, was, it wasn't it was so much of a gamble to bring me and Tommy in, but it was an educated gamble in a sense where we needed an out-and-out -out defender that comes in and just defends it and defends the box. And it's them 1-0 games that year, if you can have a look back on, we want many of them, but the one nil games we take more pride off than the three or four nil wins because yeah. the one nil games are close and we've had to do some defending in it, and that's what you want. But the expectations, you're not a big club, you're not a premiership club. Just just live with it. Yeah. You just get on with it. It's, I know it's hard, but I think the way kids are brought up now through academies, and I've been at Man City five years, Liverpool two years, they don't get brought up at 15, 16, knowing what jobs you should be doing as an apprentice. They get brought up wanting to pick the first car at 17. What kind of car am I driving? They haven't even kicked a ball in the 23s. Yeah. And them expectations are driven by agents who are in the game. It's listen, there's some bad agents, but there's some good agents. But yeah. expectations for Sunderland, get on with it. It's a big club. It's a big club. I don't I understand if I can go back 22 years, I'd sign again and and, and the expectations be out again. Just, just got to go with it. Got to yeah. live it. And the person sat next to you in the dressing room wants your place. Yeah. So if you don't deliver, you're out the same. And just so, going to the team there. I mean, yeah. even when we just went to the subs, there was such a Yeah, we had red depth in there. But we had character and we had we had a togetherness and no one was bitter about not yeah. being in it. Yeah, lads were disappointed, don't get me wrong. Everyone wanted to play in front of forty odd thousand at Stadium of Light on a Saturday. But it was a typical if you see the rugby lads on telly when they all high five each other and do the subs in the tunnel yeah. when they're walking out. Very atmosphere. All the subs are always down. Really had everyone involved. It wasn't 
right, this is the squad of, that was only five subs at the time. This is the squad of 16. No, 20 odd of you all come down to the dressing room. And then when he named the team, which he mostly did on a Saturday, he didn't know most of the time until the Saturday, the lads who were in the suits and one in the 16 went round and shook everyone's hand. Yeah. And that's how it was Proper done. together. Yeah, and then yeah. they went up in the players' lounge, waited up there, come back down after the game, shook our hands again. And that was it, that's how it was done. Talking about that particular season, one thing that's just kind of triggered in my mind there, do you find it quite weird that we we won the league at Berry, considering you came from It was Berry? a way, I'd looked at it about three or four games earlier. Yeah. And I'd kept in touch with Berry. I still speak to the lads. I played in a charity match three weeks ago to raise yeah, money for that, them. So yeah. I'd done all that and I went back. And it's close to my heart, Berry Football Club, and it's just shambles what's going on with it, yeah, that place. But uh, to go back there, I'm thinking to myself, they needed the points. Yeah, because they were like near the, they were kind of yeah, near they the were near the bottom, bottom about four yeah. from bottom at the time. They needed the points, and I think Sunderland had three sides of the ground that night. It was a Tuesday <laughs> night. It was <laughs> it absolutely did, yeah. teeming down, and I thought to myself, you don't want Sunderland coming to you when no. you need points, because we were just playing games on a Saturday off Sunday, Monday morning, light training session, game, win, off Wednesday, we'll light training session Thursday, then. bit of set pieces Friday, win on Saturday. And it was just a momentum of rolling and rolling and rolling. And you couldn't wait for the games. That's how quick they could. So to go to Berry, um, I think it was 5-2 or 5? 5-2. 5-2. 4-1 or 5 They were one of the clubs that scored two against us, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, so. Darren Bullock, uh, if I yeah, it was it was a weird scenario because the Berry fans stayed behind afterwards and clapped us as well. Yeah. Which was good. And I enjoyed that. And Reedy, yeah, it was it was a, not one I'd say I enjoyed in a sense because I I think Berry went down, did they? Did they go down that season? I can't quite remember, but it I wasn't through that game, but they they done enough anyway in to go end, down. But no, it was it was a, a surreal game. I'd spoke to some of the lads. Um I even went in the dressing room before the game to the Berry dressing room and to see him. And really caught me go walking and he went, get out. Do you know what I mean? What are you doing in there? So just go and see how they are. And that's how it was done. But no, 5-2. But listen, we were we were creating nine, ten chances a game. Yeah. And Kev only needs one. Yeah. That's 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 a bit of that And if you've seen some of his goals that night, do you see some of his finishes? Oh, the, Do you know what I mean? the fifth one. We had me and Mel had always had the best seat in the house. We was always stood 40 yards behind him, watching him going. And as soon as he left his foot, me and Mel used to say, it's a goal. That one against Barnsley when yeah, he just like 90th he's minute. so many. There's so many. But you'd watch him in training and he'd stay behind and he'd smash a few balls and, and you're going, he just had a technique. And if you've got Kevin here now, he probably wouldn't know how to coach that. Yeah. He'd probably show you how he did it, but he's got such a low centre of gravity and how he strikes a ball and the power he can generate in a ball is was like but every time he'd have a shot, he went in that year and the year yeah. after and the year after and the year after. And you sometimes forget with Phillips, he got 25 goals that year and he yeah. was out for three and a yeah, half Yeah, he was months. out for a while. Three because and a half all months. our strikers, I think Deitch and Mick, uh, Mickey Bridges got double figures yeah, that year. 12 or 14 yeah, or something and, like that. And Big Big Nile got a few. 20 got, odd. Yeah. So yeah. I think the front lot at the time got close to 60, 65 goals. Yeah. And that's the way Sacco used to, used to, used to put a board up by the start of the season. And he wanted so many goals from the strikers, so many goals from midfield, and so many goals from centre-halves and full-backs. And yet to contribute. And I think from full-backs and centre-halves, I think he wanted between 10 and 15 goals in a season. Yeah. And that season, I think, got five or six. Mel got four or five. Mickey got three or four. And Chrissy got one or some of the odd one. Like Mickey. Chrissy was the only one that didn't <laughs> score that season, so, I think. That's where so, the, the No, so we contributed not, but he, was, he, was, he <laughs> wanted us all to score and contribute. Um, and that was a big thing, yeah. 
the season afterwards, um, yeah. talk about Melville, obviously um, great partnership, but yeah. then I have to be honest, in my lifetime, I think the season after the person that replaced him is probably the best centre-off I've personally ever seen for Sunderland. Yeah. But how big of an impact was Steve Bold as a character, a person, and a player to you? He was, he was, when Mel, Mel knew he was going anyway. Mel knew it was yeah. his last year. Reedy had pulled him in February, March time, before the end of the season, knew he was going. So there was no hard things about Mel going in, and he knew he was going to bring something half in. Now that summer, we went up, Reedy pulled us in and he said to us, I'm bringing two centre-halves in, maybe three. So I went, yeah, not a problem. He says, we need four centre-halves in Premiership. Simple as that, we need four centre-halves. But right, okay. Didn't tell me who it was. Then when I seen it was linked to Steve Bold, I'm going, jeez, look, look, look. Yeah. No, I've, got, I've, got, I've got to even be on the same training ground as him. I want to be in the same back fours as him. So we signed Boulder and then we signed Thomas Elmer Thomas in the same Elmer, week. Geez, yeah. German international, 70-odd caps, absolutely legend and one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet in football unbelievable guy and then just so i am i was the only player that played three or four games with him he only played that yeah. many, and i played all the games with him Leeds, I think learned so much of him so much of a player that if you stood if you stood in here now you go he's not he's not said half yeah he's not gonna he, he he was different class a bit like dennis Irwin. i went to wolves and dennis yeah. joined us he was just cultured he, everything but he couldn't settle his family couldn't settle and he hung around on his own here for six, seven months. His family went back. But going back to Boulder, funny story that we were on the training ground and uh, we used to do a lot of 11 v11s, Reedy and Sacco in the in the championship. So he kept the same thing going. So we're having 11 v11 and Sacco always used to referee it and he was the worst referee you're ever going to get. If you thought he was offside, he's onside. If you think he's, he's onside, he's offside. Everything, that, just to wind you up, to yeah. see what your reaction was like and it's a thing he used to do. Baldy wasn't not having him. Baldy loved him. Baldy wasn't having his decisions some days in training. So we'd I'd gone into the back four with Baldy, and it was like, and I'm looking across and Steve Bold's saying, he's going, God, he's, he's like, he's got the presence of Quinny. Yeah. Do you know that statue? And he going, it's Baldy. And I'm watching, up, drop, up, drop, squeeze, drop. And that's all he was doing. Get your arm up, drop. And, and this is in training. So he kept playing. We was playing Mickey, Mickey Bridges and Deitch offside all the time in training. And it was just him catching them all the time. Yeah. And uh, Sacco stopped training and he went, right, stop. I don't want you playing offside anymore. <laughs> so Baldy went, why? I'm catching him. Yeah, but you're going to get caught in the premiership. It's going to get, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. You're going to get caught. You put your hand up. It's going to get caught. I've been at Arsenal for 10 years and we played offside and catch everyone offside. So yeah. we're outside. We're not having it. And it was a bit of a heated argument there between. <laughs> and we all stood there going, and then we've seen the gaffer really walk down the touchline and go, who's going to win this one because no yeah. one's backing off. So I went, Baldy, I said, just let's do it for this trip. We'll drop off. No, no, we don't drop off. We're all the line and, and that's how it went for about five, ten minutes. Yeah. And the next thing, whistle went, read it, right, everyone in. <laughs> and that was it. Then they, cut, they stopped the training session. So I don't know who ever won that argument. So... I'm going to say Sacco. I'm going to say Sacco. <laughs> but Sacco, that's, that's Sacco down to a T where doesn't matter about Steve Wall being at Arsenal for ten yeah. years. You defend how Sacco wants you to defend. Yeah. And that's how it was. And that's how he'd put it on the plate. And Baldy loved Sacco. Absolutely loved him because he'd never had anything like that at Arsenal. Yeah. And to come across Sacco like that, and it was brilliant watching them all. And I think that might be Sacco testing him to see what he was like. See if he broke. And then I played a few games, all, all the games of Baldy, really, until he got arthritis in his toe. And yeah. he had the longest big toe in the world. Right. <laughs> it was funny because I've got that do tonight when I do it at the museum. And... um Gordon Ellis, the old physio, is coming yeah. along tonight. 
And there's many a morning we used to walk in the treatment room just to get some strappings on before training. And Baldy would lay on the bed with his foot up in the air, size 14 foot. And Gordon Ellis would have both his hands just, just rubbing his toe like that to try and get movement <laughs> in it. For a, and he couldn't train. He couldn't train certain days because it was so painful to put his foot, foot in the boot. And then when they wheeled him out, as much as they did do, Baldy, so much, learned so much off the guy. That's the thing. I mean, you forget we brought him in 500,000. I think he was yeah. 37. Yeah. And he played like a 21 year old. Yeah. He was he just was, he was, the best. He was different classes. This is his position. And I'll never forget their one chop game at West Ham. We had butted him. Yeah. And before the game, <laughs> before the, before, it's funny enough, it's true story. Before the game, I was in the dressing room at, at West Ham. And there'd been some had been said. I don't know, between certain players in the team. It might have been Baldy and somebody else off West Ham's team. I can't remember who it was. It might be De Canyard. I can't remember who it was. And uh, Baldy was fired up and I've never seen him like that. And we knew that like, so much been said to him. So we've gone out on the pitch and one chops up front and first 20 minutes, tacking it, dropping off, doing this. and I've gone to head a ball, cleared it. Next, all I hear was the biggest slap, of, <laughs> the sound of a slap and I've gone. Looked across how far, and all the scene was one chops laid out on the floor. <laughs> and I've gone, and I said to Chrissy Macon, What's happened there? And I went, Didn't see it. I just did the slap. So I turned around and said to Tommy, because the referee stopped it, I said to Tommy, What happened there? He went, Baldy's lost it. He's just head butted him. <laughs> and I went, He's head butted. It sounded like someone slapped someone's yeah. neck. He was that loud. And Bald, I went, Why is he doing that, Baldy? He went, Keep standing on my toe. He just keeps standing <laughs> on my toe because he's got sore toes, hasn't he? And I went, That's not the only reason, is it? And he's till this day, he tells you that was the reason because his toes are that sore in games. Yeah. He kept backing into him and standing on his toes. And Baldy just had enough and had butted him. Yeah, that I remember that. I think we were 1 0 up, weren't we? And we drew one each, was it? And did you give the ball away yeah, on yeah. the halfway line? Travis Sinclair. Right. Because we played really well. If we'd won, we, we would have been top of the league. That's correct, yeah. We would have been we top of the league. We played really well. And uh, with 10 men, they couldn't break us yeah. down. And, 90th minute, I and think then, it was. Uh, and then afterwards, because all the London clubs we went to, we had to go to that Seven Sisters pub yeah, there yeah, yeah. to meet about 5,000 Sunder fans. It was brilliant. It was so good. Reading made a point of us doing that, going back to what we're doing before, is every London game we played, we knew we'd stay two, three hours afterwards yeah. to meet the fans. And we had to go off to this pub, and there'd be two or 3,000 waiting for us there. And we'd be drinking, having a chat with them, mixing it and reading. Eight o'clock, right, everyone on the bus were off back up the road. And I remember, because I remember as I was a kid, I mean, I'm about 13, 14, and I used to go and try and meet the players and after yeah. get autographs. And you know what's funny? My mum still speaks about it now. She's like, every player made sure yeah, that they signed we every were, autograph. There was no, we were t- we were, even we're, Mickey Gray. Yeah, is, we, were t- we were told to in a way. Not not like really gets you in on your contract, right? In your contract, you've got to sign every... Yeah. You you follow what the other lads were doing. So when I first arrived, they'd seen everyone coming out the training ground, the old training ground, everyone stopping the cars, and you'd be about an hour in the car waiting. For it to sign up, you made sure you sign everything. Yeah. Because they're stood there in the rain, they're stood there in the cold, they're the supporters, it's their club when we leave. End of the day, 20 years from now, I can still come back, but it's still the same fans supporting, it's their yeah. club with their kids. You just got to come back support. But no, really made a point of no matter where we went, away from home, especially in London, down south, we stayed and uh, signed the autographs that was needed. Talking about good games, because we've talked about the Chelsea game before, but there's one game that... <laughs> I actually completely forgot about, in a sense, towards that season. And I don't know how I forgot about it, but the Newcastle game in the rain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so early in the season. And yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know quite how to word the question, but just what were your memories of the day? The memories of the day was getting absolutely drenched. <laughs> First time I've seen how high the Sunderland fans were put in the top tiers yeah. and it was like, but you could hear them. Wasn't uh, many of us the that big, night massive 
paper talk of Shearer and Hullet and all this and Ferguson and all this and Reedy was just basically Cam whoever's playing up front they're going to be good players so don't worry about who's playing this was all talk and then to go out and um, play in them conditions for one which today would, wouldn't have been played yeah, wouldn't, wouldn't have been it. played iconic Kev goal again do you know what I mean he's turned and flipped everyone's thinking he's going to cross it in the box and put it in there but just it, it was wearing I know it sounds stupid in a way and no one thing ever sticks to me we didn't get to wear white shorts a lot. Yeah. And in that game, we wore white shorts. Do you know what I mean? And it's the iconic. Quinn is celebrating, but his shorts are virtually that long down his ankles. He's <laughs> because how wet they are. And me and Bolly looking at each other, do you know, going, we ain't got the energy to run down there and celebrate. Yeah. We'll just stay up here because really always wanted you to celebrate with each other. And uh, that was the iconic. And Quinny just putting his hands in the air and, and shirts never fitted him. So it was up yeah. here around his waist, around his chest. And just the. And looking at Mickey Gray more than anything else and there was a we had an old physio of a masseur called Mickey Holland apparently the massive Newcastle guy. fan oh was he yeah. oh yeah apparently biggest Newcastle guy. fan ever massive Newcastle fan he had a massive Newcastle tattoo on his right calf <laughs> that he never wore short he wore shorts <laughs> all week come match day tracky bottoms right and he always tried to protect it away from the fans but they didn't have a go at him over it but the funniest guy you're ever going to meet yeah. in your life and that was another one he was Reedy's chauffeur he was like wherever Reedy we used to say to him Go on, go on, go on. Gaffer wants a cup of tea, go and do it. And he'd go off and, and do his stuff and all <laughs> that. But he was a massive Newcastle fan. And on that day, sitting on the Sunderland bench, he must... And even he'd come in at the end of the game and went, do you know what I mean? I can't, being a Newcastle fan, you deserved it. Yeah. But you've done us all a favour because now, obviously, he might leave Hold tomorrow. Yeah, he did as well, Yeah, he? he went there. He ran the next day, didn't he? Yeah, Because they so. brought Shearer and Duncan at the end, didn't they, to try and get some out of the game, didn't they? And that's the one thing that people always talk about that and they talk about... Uh, and it, it, even from the day it happened, people talk about, oh, if he started with Shearer and stuff like that, they were 1-0 up. Mm, correct. And then they brought Ferguson on, yeah, we equalised. Yeah. Then they brought Shearer on, yeah. and then we got the winner. Yeah, correct. So technically, yeah. they Bring lost them on the game. <laughs> and that's what they say, and they can only answer that, is do you think they've chucked it in for them? I don't know, because they had issues with him, but only they can answer that. I don't know. Don't get involved in all that, but it was a strange scenario to bring yeah. them on. Um, but no, great memories. Great memories of, of beating Newcastle at St. James's Park, which is which is good. So true, we all went out after that as well. We'd had a few, yeah. yeah. <laughs> which really made, really made you have a few. He yeah. was, not made you have a few, but he was, when you win, you celebrate. Yeah. And, but make sure we've got a game in three days, kind of scenario. And that's how we make, if you're not ready, hey, and then training, training was tough. Yeah. Training was tough. If, if you go out the night before and think you get away with training, there's, there's only one person that could do that and that's Alex Ray. Yeah. And he got away <laughs> for about two or three years. Yeah. So, but no, it was tough and it was hard and it was tough, but you couldn't pull the wool over sackles and because they had they had spies everywhere. Yeah. They knew when every player was out. The season after that, obviously we finished seventh. Um, I think when you think back at that season, well, still frustration that we could have, yeah. we should have been in Europe. Yeah, we, we should have. We, I think I think we only won one at the last eight games. There was something like something that. Like it was, that yeah, and it was and that, I always remember fans when I was still playing here said that we chucked it in or something on them lines. In one I of the fanzines, there was injuries. a fanzines that was going out and they were saying that uh, we've chucked it in, we could have qualified. We, we tried everything we could to qualify and Reedy did. And sometimes the momentum don't get you in there. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, we had the golden boot guy in the, in the, in the, in the, in the squad, which is a massive achievement for us. We beat some big teams on the way in the season. As an achievement to go into Europe, was we ready for Europe? 
I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That could have been a different hurdle for Reedy to sign more players at the time. And I don't know. So we never got it, but I couldn't tell you on that one. So I think Reed had a squad for the Premier League and maybe a cup or two, but not probably. Not for a full. But I know Reedy wanted to manage in Europe in a sense. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's just sometimes get results go. Just reminded me of that season as well. The, I think it was Kevin Phillips said a few yeah. times the biggest noise he's ever heard at a football ground was when he equalised against Newcastle at uh, the Stadium Light. Yeah, it yeah. was 2 2. That's right. Do you remember the game? Yeah. How, how loud was that on the pitch? Because I remember it was, it was loud. And that was when the Newcastle fans were behind the goal, wasn't it? Yeah. They got put behind the goal. So right. where they've been moved up to, the away fans now is at the top, but they put behind the goal. And I always like when you've got away fans and you can see them, it makes the atmosphere. But no, it was it was. But you could feel it coming in. It was an atmosphere in the game coming in during the day, and I remember in the first five minutes, uh, I smashed Alan Shearer in the far corner in front of the Sunderland fans. As I turned around to look at the Sunderland fans, they were grown men just like punching the chest, like yeah. and trying on going. That gets you up for it straight away yeah. because you just done Alan. I didn't mean to do him. I just smashed him in the corner. Referee didn't even see it. So, and Shearer got up, unbelievable pro. Just went, well, I shrugged his shoulders and went on with it. Yeah. Uh, got me back later on in the game, but he was one of them. And that was my five minutes at home going to the Sunderland fans. This is what this team's going to be about today. Um, they were still the so-called the big team, weren't they? Yeah. They, they, they thought they was, even though we had better players in our team. But yeah, Much it better. Was, yeah, it was, it, was, it was good, but good colours on the day. Do you know when you see red and white v black and white? It's, yeah. an old, it's like my Man City playing my United, blue v the red. Such a clash. Just, but then you've got the Newcastle <laughs> fans behind the goal in their tops. It does that, and move them up there might be policing. I don't know, but I still like fans. Part of it kind of misses yeah. it, and I think there's a few it, fans it, that it gives really you like atmosphere. Them up there. It, gives you it does. It's like I used to always sit right next to the away. Yeah, I was always in Southwest yeah, Corner, me. Yeah. So it was always right next to them, and it was horrible when they score. And there's been many bad yeah, memories yeah, of it, yeah, yeah. but other way around, yeah, great atmosphere. But no, it can generate some noise. Yeah, that stadium when it was, and I was lucky. I had three and a half years of it, so it was a pleasure to. Playing the three and a half years when it come to me leaving, it was something that really didn't want me to do. Yeah, but it, I got to a, a point where I'd been injured, and they brought Big Stan in the centre. Stan Varga. Yeah, Stan. Yeah. Me and Stan had played. Jody come in. I was injured. Jody come in, but then they went to sign Emerson Tom. Emerson Tom. And it's the most I love him to bits. He's an agent, and I, I do things for him, and he just helps me out with stuff. So he's different class. M. Where is he now, Emerson? He's he's back in Portugal, but he's doing stuff for agencies in Brazil and all around. So I'll give it his number if you want him. He, yes. He got, yeah. yeah. So, I saw, I saw I love that. Emerson Tom. Uh, M was Cold different fewer, class. I think. M was different <laughs> class, but at the time I was saying to Reedy, "I'm back in two weeks. I'm back in two weeks. Don't don't." And he he needed to sign a centre half. He come in and done well. Yeah. In the first four or five games, done well. And I've sat on the bench for four or five games. The back four's keeping clean sheets. So I can't knock on the gaffer's door and say, why am I not involved? They were keeping clean sheets. But the way I've been brought up and the principle that I brought, I needed to play. Yeah. And I was playing reserve games, which he didn't want me to play in the gaffer at the time. I was playing down at York. They used to play the reserve games down there, some games. And there was four or five championship clubs coming from in Bolton, Blackburn, Wolves, what we got on loan. Went to the gaffer and he went, I'll let you go, but you're only going for a month and I want a recall because I need might need you back. So yeah. I went out, played, loved it at Wolves, come back. Um, still won't let me go, even though I, I was trying to say, I'm I'm not in your, you are in my plans. I've got no time to let you go. I need four centre-halves. You're one of the four. So on. 
me pushing it and pushing it and wanting to play first team football and not wanting to sit on the bench. And I was 29, I think, at the time, 28. It wasn't for me in the sense of just sitting there. I couldn't pick up my money every week and justify going to play at York or Durham yeah. in, a, in a reserve game. I didn't, I, I, and he knew that. And he was putting me off a free off. We had backwards and forwards arguments. Sacco was coming to me. I had Big Quinny saying to me, and but I needed to play. I needed to play. And in hindsight, is it the right move for me? Yeah, because I went on and done great stuff with Wolves and I enjoyed promoted. the times yeah. and promoted in Premiership. If I hung on for another month, Emerson got injured in the next three games yeah. and I could have been back in. Hey, it's hindsight. These things happen, don't Yeah, they? and I went on and I went on to Leeds after that. So you never know. Do you know what I mean? It was one of them where... I really enjoyed my time. I enjoyed my three and a half years. My missus and the kids were born in Manchester, but bought up here. They were babies. Yeah. Loved it up here. Absolutely loved it up here. It was, if you speak to my missus now, she'd move back tomorrow. Yeah. She'd move back tomorrow. She lived in Durham. Uh, kids know bits about it, but they understand. But the missus loved it. Absolutely loved it. Paul, thank you very much. No problem. Pleasure. Perfect. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.